and welcome back to Wildflower Women. My name is Megan Prince-Will and I am so excited to be here with you right now in this moment, wherever you are, whatever day it is, whatever time of day it is, whatever you're going through, I am just honored that we are sharing this moment. Um, I want to start right now uh, by just praying before I dive in. Father, I thank you for your love and mercy. I thank you for your grace that is all sufficient. God, I thank you that you love us and you have called us, you have redeemed us, you have set us apart, you have called us your own. God, I ask you to speak through me. God, I ask you for clarity. God, I ask you for your words and only your words. God, that nothing that is of me would be spoken. God, that the things that I've thought about that I want to say right now, God, that if it is not you, it would just be removed from my memory. God, that I would only speak your words. God, and that for every single woman who is listening right now, God, right where she is, God, whether she's listening um, in, in the next couple of days or even in the next year or 10 years from now, whoever she is and whenever she stumbles upon this, God, I pray that you would speak these words, your words, to her heart. God, that at every heart that is listening right now, God, that you would just speak. God, and that you would let them know, God, they are enough. God, because you are enough. God, I thank you and I praise you, God, for your mercy and your anointing on this moment right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we dive in here, I am talking about being enough. And if you, obviously you saw the title of this, this episode, um, I don't know how many times in my life I probably have felt like I was not enough more times than I've ever even thought I might be enough. Um, not being enough has been the the um, kind of the perpetual feeling of my life uh, until until recently and I'm not even going to pretend like there I haven't felt like I was not enough yesterday or today um, but I have learned to really accept and believe that I am enough and not not in my own strength I know we talked about in his grace being sufficient and in my weakness he has made strong and in your weakness his strength is made perfect um, it is not that I am enough but that he is enough and because he is enough I know I am enough because he is in me and he is working through me and he has called me and I am his own he is my Abba father and he has made me enough in him and so I want to kind of just give you a little bit of, um, of insight into how I've, how I've grown in this. I've, like I said, I've spent most of my life feeling like I was not enough. Um, I talked before about my family being, um, just, they're, they're my favorite. They're hilarious. We have so much fun together. Um, but I grew up a lot of times feeling like I wasn't enough. Um, not because of anything that my family did or said. Um, my mom 
will like if 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 I ever feel like I'm not the most beautiful person in the world to her all I have to do is ask and she talks about me non-stop sometimes I'm embarrassed because she is my biggest fan um but for her I'm absolutely enough I am everything that a daughter should be in her eyes and so I've never felt like I wasn't enough because of something that was said to me or the way that I was treated I just kind of always thought that perfection was what would make me enough and I strive to be the perfect daughter I strive so hard to be um, almost invisible because I felt like that if I was invisible or if I was just funny enough or if I just made people laugh enough or if I if I was sweet enough or quiet enough or loud enough or this enough or this enough or this enough that I would be everyone would just love me and that I could make life easy for everybody else and that was my goal for so long was to just make life easy I was always the kid um, even now um, my closest friends I, I have very few friends that are my age, but I've had most of my life, I've been friends with the older women. Um, at least, I, I guess now as, as I'm older, I'm 36 now, uh, they're, they're closer to my age, but I was always the teenager that was friends with the 40-year-olds. Uh, just because I just kind of always felt like I, I just, I wanted to learn. I wanted to... I was always ready to hear whatever wisdom they could give. And so I wanted to be around them. But as a kid, I knew I I had heard enough women or enough adults complain about other people's kids that I knew I didn't want to be a kid that when they left my presence, they complained about me. So I tried so hard to be perfect. I tried so hard not to ask for things. I remember um, my, a friend, a friend of the family, when I was before I started school, uh, she kept me during the day. Her daughter was a year older than me. And so the year that she went to school and I was still uh, at home, she kept me throughout the day. And I remember I never asked, I spent, <laughs> I spent so many days thirsty and hungry. Um, and I was so afraid to ask for something to drink. I was so afraid to ask for something to eat. And so I would just sit and wait for her to offer it for me. And there were even offer it to me. And, and there were even times that she would offer it to me, but I would say no, because in my mind, I thought, well, what if she's just offering it to me because she's being nice, but it really is going to be a hassle for her to, uh, to do, to fix me something. So no. And I, I, I just spent so much of my life honestly, as, as, as literal and as, as, uh, metaphorically as it can be, I spent so much of my life hungry and thirsty, but I was afraid to ask because I felt like I would be an imposition. It would be, I would, I would just be a hassle because I wasn't enough. I was, I wasn't not needy enough. And so everything that I needed, it was, it was, it was gonna, it was gonna be, 
an annoyance to whoever. And so I spent so much of my life hungry and thirsty. And I didn't realize until probably the last 10, 15 years of my life that a lot of what I felt about myself I had, and what I believed other people felt about me, I had, I had given that uh, description of, of how people feel, that example of how people feel, felt about me. Who, they didn't feel that way about me, but I thought that's what they felt, and I thought that God felt the same way. Um, I spent so much of my childhood and my teenage years and in, in my 20s uh, afraid of messing up. I felt, I was so afraid of sin, um, that I, I, I didn't do anything. Like I, I literally, I know I sin I sinned because we're all human, but there were so many things that I didn't do that my friends were doing. So many of those things that you go through in, um, your teenage years where those temptations that I, I was just, I like, they weren't not even temptations to me because I was terrified that I would be the one that if I did that thing that everybody else was doing that I that was sin that if I did it if I tried it or if I if I took that step and I I went along with the crowd that I would be the one who died doing it like extreme I was going to die if I did it and if I died while doing it I was going straight to hell and I was so terrified of hell that I missed out on those years of living and enjoying the 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 blessings of living for God the uh the joy of living for God the I I I missed out on on the joy of my salvation because I was just I was so terrified of going to hell and and not not necessarily just I didn't want to go to hell but I was so terrified of not pleasing God and I lived so much of my life feeling like I had to please him and that as many times as I heard the sermons on you know it's not works but faith you know that God is you know uh he desires obedience more than sacrifice and all of those verses it's 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 not by works but by grace that you are saved and and faith in him and all of those sermons I believed them and I I was a youth pastor for many years and I know that I preached them I preached those messages but at the same time in my own self I felt like I had to earn God's love and that any little shortcoming or any little failure on my part God was waiting for me to just fail so that he didn't have to love me anymore. And I felt like I was just a burden. And just probably in the last year, um, I, like I said, I have gone through hell in, ex- in, in the last two years of my life, especially the last two years. Just I've walked through the fire and I know that the things and the things that I've gone through and this, the, the steps that I've taken have been ordered by God. It has been the will of God for my life to walk through these because had I not gone through those things, I wouldn't have the testimony that I have. I wouldn't have the faith that I have now. I wouldn't know God the way that I know God. But I walked through the fire. And in those moments, I had to come to a place where I 
stepped back and realized that God loved me. And his love for me was not dependent on my perfection. His love for me superseded all of my ideas and all of the the imaginations that I had had and the, the things, the, the concepts that I had formed that would dictate whether or not God loved me. His love exceeded all of that. And I had to walk through those things to get to a place where I realized His love for me. And I'm still daily having to remind myself because I find myself every day feeling like, oh, I messed up. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. And yes, that that repentance is so good and that asking for forgiveness is so, so valuable. But there was, there's, I have to remind myself that he still loves me. And I had this visual a few, probably it's probably been last year or, or maybe even longer than a year ago that I had this visual and this understanding that I realized what I had viewed my relationship with God or how I had viewed it. And it was in the early morning I woke up and I couldn't go back to sleep and I just felt like I needed to go and pray. And I went and I I sat down and I started praying and then I started writing. And what I wrote was that all of my life I had felt like I was astray that had been in, not in just my relationship with God, but my relationship with people. I never felt like I belonged. Um, I always felt like I was an outsider, but I always, I just, I felt like I had, I, I was astray in every area of my life and that I had shown up at the back door on a cold, rainy night. And the owners and the family in that home had looked out the window and saw me in the rain and in the cold and hungry and they felt sorry for me. And so they brought me in, but because I was astray, they said, all right, here, you can hang out in the laundry room. We'll give you a towel to to dry off and to be warm. Here's some food, here's some water, but stay in the laundry room because you don't, you're not actually part of the family, but you can at least stay in the house. And so I had, I spent so much of my life feeling like everything I did was trying to earn the love of that family, whether it was friends or whether it was, um, uh, people that I worked with or, um, uh, in ministry, trying to the, the church members and those that I was ministering to, um, and even God that I I tried so hard to be whatever you, I'll be whatever you need me to be. I'll be perfect if you'll just let me be part of the family. Will you invite me in to the family room? Will you invite me in to have dinner at your table? Will you invite me in so that when it's a thunderstorm and it's cold and, 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 and everything is crazy in the world. Will you invite me in to sit by your fire, to drink your cocoa, and to, to, to be cuddled up next to the Father? And so I had spent so many years of my life feeling like a stray, and I didn't even realize that I was striving so hard 
to be accepted. But yet, at the same time, there were so many things, you know, you think about someone trying to be accepted and, and trying to be something they're not and doing things that are, that are sinful or, you know, you know, girls that, that, that want to be loved so much that they'll do whatever the guy asks them to do. Or, you know, friends, people that want to be friends with these people so bad that they'll do all the things they're doing. I wasn't that. I was still so afraid of sin that I didn't allow myself to do those things. So I'm, it, it was such, a, such an interesting dynamic that I, God allowed me to be so afraid of sin that I, I have a testimony that is, that is, I, God will, if you, if you want to live a life that doesn't bow to the things that the world says you have to do, you can, God can get, God will, is willing and able to give you the strength that you need and the way out of temptation that if you'll look for it, he will provide it. His word said that he will provide a way out and he did it every single time. And I was able to avoid those traps But at the same time, I just, I was willing to, to be the entertainment. If that's what would make you laugh, then if you were laughing with me because I was doing something to entertain you, then you loved me. You would want me around. If I could be entertaining enough, then you would want me around. If I could be... Uh, quiet enough, then you would want me around. If I could be um, helpful enough, then you would want me around. If I could be um, as, as, as little of a hassle, then you would want me around. If I just didn't ask for anything, if I never needed anything, then you would want me around. And I tried so hard to, to become part of whatever family I was in and even God I, I I I just felt like I wasn't enough for God that he I was getting into heaven I was his and he was gonna use me I was a, I was I was I was in the house but I wasn't I hadn't been good enough to be really one of his own and that thought, when I realized that is how I felt, I was able to step back and say, God, no, that is not the God that I serve. You don't love me like that. You love me as your own. And it, it brought me, God reminded me of the verses and of that tell me that and being able to speak truth to those moments when I feel like I'm astray and one of those verses in John uh, 14 18 um, let me I have several verses that I want to read so let me pull this one up so I get it right but it says is it 14 18 um I might have written down the wrong one. No, okay, yeah. Uh, John 14, 18. 
in the message. Uh, it's the passage of 18 through 20. It says, I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back in just a little while. The world will no longer see me, but you are going to see me because I am alive and you're about to come alive. At that moment, you will absolutely know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. And the beginning of that says, I will not leave you orphaned. An orphan is one without a family. But this verse says, I will not leave you orphaned. You are not a stray, Megan. You are not a stray, daughter. You are mine. I am coming back. I have adopted you as my own. You are a stray no more. You are not an orphan anymore. You are in me, and I am in you, and we are in the Father. Um, and then there is... Uh, there was a verse that, that started this thought in me and in, in, in this episode, and I had no idea where it was going to go, but I knew that it was, um, it was something that God was speaking to me because I probably read this verse a million times. That's probably an exaggeration, but I have read it more than once for sure. Um, and I have heard messages preached on it. Uh, there's songs um, with this verse that are uh, just, you know, years and years and years of s- different songs that throughout throughout Christian music that that uh, are written based on this on this passage. But in Jeremiah 18. Four through six, it says, But the jar he was making did not turn out as he hoped, so he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message O Israel, can I not do to you as the potter has done to this clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. That verse, when I read it, it was part of my devotional that I was reading one morning a few days ago, and when I read it, it just it was like a light turned on and I was like, God, I know you are speaking through this some way, somehow. What do you want to say to me? I had to screenshot my Bible in my phone uh, because I, was, I, I knew something was coming from it. And as I studied and prepared for this, it just kind of all made sense. So much of my life, I felt like I was astray. And even in those moments, that even though I didn't mess up big, There were still little things that God needed to work out of me. And as I read this verse and I saw myself that I'm not an orphan, that I'm not a stray. I am, I'm in the hand of God. He didn't just, I I did come to the door and knock. I did, I was out in the cold. I was wet and dirty and hungry and broken and astray. I was astray. But when I knocked on the door and I said, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. He didn't open the door and let me into the laundry room. He opened the door, brought me in, dressed me gave me new clothes. He made me a new creation. He took that lump that was broken and distorted and sinful and, and just not what he created it to be. And he sat me on the wheel and he began to shape me. And every single time I've gone through something in my life, he's put me back on the wheel and he has shaped me again. And he has taken those cracks and those places and built me up. He's 
molded me and every single day of my life he is molding me into who he has called me to be and everything that I've gone through every time I've had to come to him in repentance every time I've had to come to him broken every time I've had to come to him in my weakness every time I've had to fall on my knees before him and say God forgive me here I am take me remake me. He doesn't throw me into the laundry room and say, all right, you know, I'll let you into heaven, but you're just, you're too messed up. He says, oh daughter, I have been waiting for this moment. Come back here. Let me pick you up in my loving hands, my hands that are able to hold it all. Let me put you on the wheel. And let me reshape you. Let me remake you. Because you are, you are mine. You're not just some broken piece of pottery that I, I started making and then it messed up. It didn't work out right and I, I sat it on the shelf. I, you are mine. You are, you are a vessel that is a beautiful work of art that I want to put on display for my glory. I want the world to look at you and see me. I want the world to look at you. I want broken women to look at you and see that they can be made whole too. I want broken women to look at you. I want women who are living in, in, they're wrapped up in sin and they feel like they'll never be enough for me. I want them to look at you and see that I can make them new, that I can make them whole. I can make them beautiful. I want, I, want, I want the lost to look at you and see that they don't have to strive for my love. That they don't have to be good enough for my love. That they don't have to be perfect before I'll forgive them. That they don't have to do it all right and get it all right and clean it all up before I'll bring them in. All they have to do is knock on the door. All they have to do is answer when I knock on the door of their heart because that is what he's doing every moment that we are away from him. Every moment that we're crying because we're lost, every moment that we're hurting, he's standing right there at the door and he's knocking, trying to get our attention as we're standing out in the cold. We're standing out in the rain. We're sitting in our tears. We're sitting in our brokenness out in the world, out in the, in the desert, out in the wilderness. And he's standing out the door and he's saying, Hey, daughter, look this way. Look this way. Because inside here, inside my love, inside my grace, inside of my mercy, inside my hands, I have unconditional love. Look this way. All you have to do is come. Look this way. I'm, I'm, I'm actually waiting to open this door for you. But you have to come. And when we knock, when we stand, we step up to that door and we knock, the door is already open before we can even get our hand to it to knock. It's open and he's pulling us in and he's wrapping us up and he's bringing us into the living room, into that family room where there's a fire going, 
where the snow is falling outside and there's warm hot cocoa and there's marshmallows roasting and there's a family around you there's there's people that want you there there's warm pajamas to put on and there's a cozy blanket and there's a big cozy couch where everybody is snuggled up just resting against the father and he's reading us a story of his love he's reading us the story of his grace he's reading us the story of all that he has for us and all that he has prepared for us and he's saying you are mine and in me you are enough you are enough my love is enough my grace is enough my mercy is enough the blood of Jesus is enough no matter what you've done no matter where you've been no matter how far you've gone no matter how broken you feel no matter what hell you've walked through no matter what he is enough He has enough for you. And right where you are in this moment, I want you to know that you are enough. You are enough. You are enough because He is enough. Thank you for tuning in and for, for being here. And I, had a, I had a whole bunch of verses. I think I said that in the beginning that I had a lot of verses. Um, but I think that's it. And I'm, I think that's all I needed to say. So God bless you. And... I am praying for every one of you. Whenever you hear this, know that you are loved and you are not alone and you are enough.